The scripture this morning is taken from Exodus chapter 15, verses 1 through 21. That can be found on page 56 of the Pew Bible. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. I will sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted. The horse and its rider has been hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. Pharaoh's chariots and his army he has hurled into the sea. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, O Lord, has maje was majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shattered the enemy. In the greatness of your majesty, you threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. The surging waters stood firm like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, sue, I will overtake them. I will divide the spoils. I will gorge myself on them. I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew your breath and the sea covered them. They sank like lead into the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, O Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? You stretched out your right hand, and the earth swallowed them. In your unfailing love, you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength, you will guide them in your holy dwelling, to your holy dwelling. The nations will hear and tremble. Anguish will grip the people of Philistia. The chiefs of Edom will be terrified. The leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling. The people of Canaan will melt away. Terror and dread will fall upon them. By the power of your arm, they will be as still as stone until your people pass by, O Lord, until till the people you bought will pass by. You will bring them in and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. The place, O Lord, you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. The Lord will reign forever and ever. When Pharaoh's horses, uh, chariots, and horsemen went into the sea, the Lord brought the waters of the sea back over them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then Miriam, the prophetess, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women followed her with tambourines and dancing. Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, the Lord and its rider he has hurled into the sea. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Esther. Let's pray once again. Lord, as we come to this part of uh, the book of Exodus, as we go through the whole book, we, we want to really understand 
these words. We want them to um, change our lives, and we pray that you would show us how that can happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Raise your hand if you like music. Okay, I'm seeing a, a strong majority of people. And if you didn't raise your hand, I suspect there are cases when you do enjoy listening to music. If you like music, then you're in good company because so does God. Music and singing have always had a very special place in Scripture. Did you know this is the first time in the Bible, in the story of God's people, when people worship God? This is the first worship song in the Bible. We see that in verse 1, um, Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And then at the end of the passage, we see it was actually Miriam, Aaron, and Moses' sister, who grabbed a timbrel, a tambourine, and, and led all the people in this, this um, just like spontaneous worship of God. Why did they worship? Well, if you were here two weeks ago, if you read chapter 14, they had just been miraculously delivered through the Red Sea. They were brought through on dry land, and their enemies were defeated in one fell swoop. So they burst out into praise. God's people have always been a singing people. We were reading a children's Bible with our kids uh, a couple weeks ago, opened up to the chapter that covers the Psalms, and I love what this author said. He said, there's this pattern in Scripture, God saves and his people sing. God saves and his people sing. That happens again and again in the Bible. And music is this wonderful gift that God has given us to praise him. I read a story years ago. Um, a team of, of African Christians was trying to reach more people in their country. It was a restricted country that um, was closed to outside missionaries. It was not friendly to the gospel what they did was they, they took a 16-millimeter projector and they went from village to village and showed the Jesus film. If you don't know, that's sort of an evangelistic tool. It's a depiction of Christ's life and his death and resurrection that has been translated into hundreds or even thousands of languages. So they can go to a village, set up their equipment, show this film, and talk about Jesus. And this team had a few... Christian volunteers that helped them from, from local, the local area. For 30 days, every night, they were in a new place showing this film. And then um, a civil war broke out in their country, and they were forced to disband their project. They had to return to the capital city. Six years went by, and they didn't know if what they had done made any difference. But after those six years, the leader of that of that mission team got a knock on his door. And he opened, and there was one of the men who had helped him travel and show this film. And um, I'll quote from the story now. It says, reaching into his pocket, he pulled out 18 well-worn sheets of paper filled with words. They contained the story of Jesus' life set to music. He had written a song from the words of the film, it was all there, the Lord's birth, his teachings, his miracles, his death, his resurrection. 
And then that man said, I have been teaching this song to many people. And you know what? That song helped start 48 new churches in those villages. That's the power of music and song. God has given music an important place in his kingdom. Have you ever wondered why we sing when we come to church? Uh, Is it just tradition? Um, Is it just to get us excited and sort of like in a good mood so that we can be encouraged? It's actually uh, something that is essential to the Christian life. Singing is not a garnish. It's not an extra it's part and parcel. It's, it's spiritual food for us. It is something we need and something that God has given us to praise him. Now, boiling this message down into three words, it's this. Saved people sing. Saved people sing. And today we're going to look at why they sing. I want to highlight three different things from this song in Exodus that shows why saved people sing. Um, first, because, uh, because it's personal. Second, because of what God has done and what he will do. And third, because God reigns. So let's jump in. First, it's personal. The first clear note that rings out from this song is one of personal joy. Look at how the song begins. And if you don't have your Bibles open, please, please find a Bible and open up to Exodus chapter 15. It's on page 56 of the Brown Pew Bible. But as it begins, we learn this is personal This is personal. It begins like this. I will sing to the Lord, for he he is highly exalted. Verse 2. The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Do you see that? He is my God, and I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. It's personal. Imagine yourself being there, being one of the Israelites. And so hours ago, you were filled with terror and dread. You thought it was all over. You were going to die. But then at your darkest moment, God split the sea. You walked through on dry ground, and your enemies were destroyed. And so if you have experienced that kind of deliverance, you want to celebrate. It's personal. And we do the same thing if you get good news that's personal to you, like, hey, guess what? Your, your doctor calls and says, you are cancer-free. What do you do? You celebrate. When you get the call and it says, dad, congratulations, you have a new granddaughter. You celebrate, Right? When you get the letter in the mail that you've been accepted to your top school, you celebrate because it's personal. And the same is true for, for saved people, people who have experienced God's salvation. It's like this involuntary response to break out in worship and song and praise. The opposite is also true. If God is just an idea or a principle or a general concept, people don't 
want to sing, why would you worship an idea, right? Why would you worship an idea? But if you have experienced the saving hand of Jesus in your life, if you can say, Jesus died and rose again for me, Jesus is coming again for me, Jesus is holding me in his hands, then, hallelujah, praise God. You might not be the most musical person, or you might be, that's okay. Um, Praising and especially singing is a natural overflow of the saved heart. Now, does this mean all songs have to be spontaneous? No. In fact, this very song in Exodus was probably um, edited later. It wasn't just like jotted down in the moment and preserved for all eternity. These were words that were sung and then later crafted to tell the story poetically. And most of the songs we sing in church have been written by someone and, and carefully edited and set to music so that they are just um, thoughtful expressions of worship. But the question is, when you come and sing in church, or for when you, sing, when you sing in your car, for that matter, is it personal to you? Can you say, the Lord has become my salvation? Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 5, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I love leading worship and standing up here and looking out and seeing all of you as you sing. It's kind of like I'm spying on you because all of you are facing this way and it would be really awkward to be like, huh, what's he doing? But I can see your faces. I can see the tears that come. I can see the hands that are raised. I can see the, the fervency in your face. I know it's personal because saved people sing. Does your heart say yes to what we sing? You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Or in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my strength, my hope, my song. When it's personal, you want to praise. So let's move on. The second thing, we sing because of what God has done and what he will do. The main um, part of this song is just a a poetic summary of God's victory over the Egyptians at the Red Sea. The singers uh, seem to relish the fact that the best of Pharaoh's army was no match for God. So let's look at verses 4 to 10 real quick. Pharaoh's chariots and his army, he is hurled into the sea. Now, let's pause there for a minute. The previous chapter says that the waters flooded over them. God didn't pick them up and hurl them, right? So what's going on here? It's poetry. It's poetry. It's highlighting God's strength. The best of Pharaoh's officers are drowned in the Red Sea. The deep waters have covered them. They sank to the depths like a stone. Your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. Your right hand, Lord, shattered the enemy. Verse 7, in the greatness of your majesty, you threw threw down those who opposed you. You unleashed your burning anger. It consumed them like stubble. 
By the blast of your nostrils, the waters piled up. Poetry, right? The surging waters stood up like a wall. The deep waters congealed in the heart of the sea. The enemy boasted, I will pursue, I will overtake them, I will divide the spoils, I will gorge myself on them, I will draw my sword and my hand will destroy them. But you blew with your breath and the sea covered them. Decisive victory. They sank like lead in the mighty waters. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? You see how they're celebrating God's victory in the past, what he's done, what he did to this, um, this army that was pursuing them. Now, this is not celebrating death. It's not saying, yay, I'm so glad all those Egyptians died. God didn't even celebrate the Egyptians' death. It's saying God conquered our enemies. God saved us. It's looking back and celebrating now, it doesn't conclude there. Um, they also look forward, right? Because the story isn't over. Um, they were saved from the Egyptians, but guess what? They are still on the road to the promised land, and there are lots of other hostile people in the way. And so what do they do? They look back and say the God who was faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. Um, look, at, look at verse 13. You can even see in, this, in the NIV how the verbs change from past to future. Verse 13, In your unfailing love you will lead the people you have redeemed. In your strength you will guide them to your holy dwelling. I love that verse. And so the next verses talk about the peoples they will encounter and how God will fight for them, how God will lead them through safely. Now, we do the same thing. When we come to worship here or any time as Christians, we look back and we look forward, right? We look back at what God has done to save us in Christ. We even look back on our own lives and what God has done to help us and bless us and protect us. But we also look forward to when Christ will come again. We look forward to how God will lead us faithfully. Does that bring you joy as you worship? Do you think about what God has done for you and what he has promised to do for you? Because worship is both. Some of the, the best hymns and songs have this double focus. Just take one, um, for example, How Great Thou Art. Verse 1 and 2 are about creation, about how God, we see his majesty in creation. Then what happens? Verse 3, When I think that God, his son not sparing, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in. It's looking back. That on the cross, my burden gladly bearing, he bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And then what happens? Verse 4. You know it. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home, what joy shall fill my heart. Then I shall bow in humble adoration 
and there proclaim, my God, how great thou art. Looking back and looking forward, the same God who is faithful in the past will be faithful in the future. The same Jesus who died and rose again is coming back for his own. This is what fuels our worship. This is why saved people sing. And we need to worship to remind ourselves of those things. So often the cure for our doubt or discouragement or pessimism is to remember what God has done and to know what he will do in the future. To look back and to look forward, right? Well, there's one more reason, one more note that rings out loud and clear in this song, which might be the loudest one of all, and it's the fact that God reigns. God reigns. The key verse here is verse 11. Who among the gods is like you, Lord? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glory, working wonders? And of course, it's a rhetorical question. The answer is no one. There are no gods out there who are like our God. All the God, so-called gods of Egypt had no power over God's people. They were no rival, no match for the true God, right? We even see in this psalm like the words, like the depths, they were thrown into the depths of the sea. These words are actually like ancient mythical creatures or they have a, a ties to ancient mythology where where one of the, the, the so-called gods in that part of the world would, would slay the, the beast of the deep and bring order out of, the, of chaos. But this is saying God is sovereign over all that. God is sovereign over his creation. He's sovereign over all powers, human and spiritual. He reigns. And you see that all through this song, verse 1, I will sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted. What does that mean? God is high, higher than any power. Verse 3, the Lord is a warrior. What does that mean? Well, he's not someone who grabs a sword or a gun to fight people. The whole point of this is that God's people did not fight, but God used the creation itself to save his people, to fight for his people. Verse 6, your right hand, Lord, was majestic in power. And finally, verse 18, the Lord reigns forever and ever. The theme of God's supremacy just rings out of this song. God is unrivaled in power and authority. Can you see how that truth can call joyful praise from our lips? Because anything in your life or in this world that seems to be bigger than God or seems to be a problem that is unsolvable, we sing and we remember God is bigger, God is stronger, and the one on the throne of the universe is a God of grace and love and power. And he will fight for his people. Nowhere is that truth of God's sovereignty, brighter in the scriptures than in the Lord Jesus. Right? In Colossians 2, Paul says, Jesus, 
quote, disarmed the powers and authorities, that is, Satan and all the evil powers of the universe, and made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Jesus trounced our enemies in his death and resurrection and took away their power, the power of sin and death, was buried in the sea, was, was completely destroyed. And of course, the famous hymn in Philippians 2 that you know the words to, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. The gospel that we celebrate and we believe in is not just Jesus died to cover my sins so I could go to heaven. That is not the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus, the one who died to save you, is the king who reigns over all. And one day he is coming back to make the world right. The saving king, Jesus, the saving king, has become Lord over all. And one way that we get to exercise faith in Jesus, our saving king, is by giving him our trust-filled allegiance with joyful singing. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Does anything hold you back from singing to the Lord? All of you like music. So does anything hold you back from bringing, bringing your music and your song to God in praise? Some of you may feel like, well, I'm not musical enough, or I don't have a good voice. Guess what? No one cares. It doesn't matter. Now, you probably won't be up here leading if you can't carry a tune, but we... We need everyone's voice in worship. God delights in your voice, whether it's high, low, clear, ragged. If it comes from your heart, God loves hearing your voice in song. And as you sing to him, the joy of the gospel comes, becomes more real to you. So let it out. Maybe something keeping you from, from singing to Jesus with all your heart is that you are discouraged or sad or doubting. I touched on this earlier. Look, we don't have to bring our confidence and our hope and our joy to Jesus so that we can sing. When we come and sing about the truths of what he has done and who he is and what he will do, that produces renewed joy and hope and peace in us. Have you ever had that experience? You're having a, a bad week, a bad day. You come to, you're like, I don't even know if I want to go to church today. I'm just too discouraged. And then you drag yourself in and you start singing with God's people and you start remembering, oh yeah, God is good. God does love me. There is hope. Sing to God. Well, Maybe one thing holding you back from singing to Jesus is that 
his grace and love haven't become personal to you. That's the most important thing. If God has, if, if you have surrendered to Jesus and tasted of his love, you will overflow with song. I believe that God has an invitation for you today. If, if that's you, an invitation to surrender to Jesus, to trust him, to receive his forgiveness and his love, to believe that he died and rose again to save you, and that he's coming back to take you home. Then you will be able to sing, The Lord is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. Let's pray.